0: Welcome to Value Through Vulnerability. This is a podcast dedicated to putting the human back into humanity. And I'm your host, Gary Turner. I'm also the founder of HexoChange. And HexoChange is a transformational change practice dedicated to helping you connect yourself to others and to systems at large in a more meaningful way, thus helping us turn around our workplace and planetary challenges and accelerating how alive we all feel in every aspect of our lives. This track is called Kaleidoscope and was created for me personally and for HexoChange by Peter Griffiths, one half of the amazing Mind Takeaway. I hope you enjoy this exploration and please do share it on your social platforms so we can bring more humanity to more people. Hope to speak to you soon. So good evening to any listeners. Uh, Welcome to the Value Through Vulnerability podcast. Uh, In addition, we have an exciting And video chat this evening as well between myself, Gary Turner, and Piers Thurston. Um, Good evening, Piers.
1: Good evening, Gary. Pleasure to be here.
0: Great, thanks for coming along. So, just to get started, would you mind giving a brief introduction to yourself and also uh, the work that you do and uh, the organization?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I work with a business called Making Change Work, um, and just a little nutshell on myself. So, I've been in the coaching uh, change and personal and professional development space for 18 years now um so i've I've coached for many different types of people for many many uh many years and have a lot of experience in that area and for the first sort of 10 years of my career um i used to work with people in organizations through um what i would call sort of conventional coaching um, Positive psychology, um, using approaches like neurolinguistic programming, you know, which is called NLP, um, things like systems thinking, appreciative inquiry, um, serious play, um, hypnosis, lots and lots of different tools and techniques that I that I built up over those first ten years. Um, and then about eight years ago, I I came across something quite different. Um, which, although it looked similar to start with, um, turned out to be a very different way of um, understanding how the mind worked. And that impacted me personally quite a lot. And as a result of that, I couldn't really do the work I was doing in the same way um, because it didn't make sense to me anymore. So I then started to change how I work with my clients. And um, for the last sort of six, seven years, I've been using this, 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 different approach which is not in the mainstream yet um, it's getting there um, but the results have been absolutely um, transformative and game-changing um, and now I'm just really enjoying helping businesses um, and people see that
0: wow fantastic so obviously so part of this um, sort of chat we're going to have you know I've got a couple of themes around sort of vulnerability self-awareness sort of inclusion but what I'm hearing immediately is maybe those sort of terminologies might not sit well with peers. So I'm, 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 I'm interested to sort of uh, explore a little bit more about what you've learned, you know, what your approach is, because those are the sort of themes that generally we cover. But I'm interested to find out what your, what your take would be around self-awareness as a concept. Is that something you believe in? Is it something that you come across and value? Or
1: Well, certainly I, I, I'm... I uh, come across it because you know of, of the industry sector and work I do and a big, you know, for the first few years of my sort of journey into this personally and professionally was all about self-awareness. Okay. Um, and it, it was, it was a, you know, a, a real focus um, from my trainings and my coachings and everything and, and, and vulnerability and what that could do for you. Um, but you're right, Gary, it does look different to me now. the, that's not where I look to enable my clients to get value and to see the world differently and to have different levels of resourcefulness and well-being. Um, I used to think that, um, but I don't anymore. And, And the reason why is because I see the role of self as different to what I used to. So I used to think a lot of it was about exploring who we are and the, And the more we know who we are, you know, in terms of our values, our beliefs, what made us what we are, our scripts, our narratives, um, the more we got clear on that. And if you like, accepted that, Mm -hmm. the more free we could be. So that's what I kind of used to think. Um, and, And I would do a lot of my work around changing, limiting beliefs, people getting clear on their values. Um, getting rid of the past, you know, lots of tools and techniques, timeline therapy, whatever, to get rid of the past. Not, not get rid of, but to reframe it so they can accept it. Mm-hmm. And because I now don't see the self as, a, as an entity that has a causal power on us like I used to, I don't bother working there anymore. I go more upstream than that. I don't really look at who we are as people. I look at almost what we are. And from that understanding, the who we are piece, you know, who who I am, Piers, who you are, Gary, actually seems a lot less relevant and a lot less necessary to deal with in order to get to uh, a deeper appreciation of life and more resourcefulness and well-being.
0: Wow, okay. Well, that's an interesting start for me. <laughs> so I so, so spent the last, uh, we, we, we've had some chats before about sort of my dealing with my fears, my vulnerabilities the last sort of 12 months in particular. And I've got to say, my head is very firmly stuck where you were, which is really yeah. interesting. So I'm really interested to explore that in a little bit more detail. So this, you mentioned about what we are rather than who we are. Can you explain that a bit more? What, you know, how do you help people yeah. get to sort of what they are?
1: Yeah, and, and I mean, I think whether we use the word who or what doesn't really matter. It's just what we mean by who or what, right? So it, there's a lot of this that can get very caught up in the words. Okay. Um, um, and, and we do the best we can with words, but it's really important that we know what we're pointing to rather than get the right word or the wrong word. Um, so, but I, so, so I tend to use words to make distinctions, okay. right, to point people to see, ha. Ah, that's, you know, he's saying what rather than who. Well, why is he saying that? It's not that I have, a, I have an issue with the word who. It's just when I'm, when I'm saying the word who, I'm pointing to saying quite different to a lot of people. But let me see if I can explain it. So um, the focus for me now is helping people explore for themselves and have realizations. And that's a really important point I'll come back to. But but not an intellectual understanding, but a realized embodied understanding of the principles of the mind for any single human being, regardless to who they are, how old they are, their, their race, their gender, their intelligence, their personality, their upbringing, their background, their environment, their DNA, right? It, it's absolutely at a principle level, right? So it's nothing to do with self. At one, It's pre-self, right? It's upstream to that. Just like when I say principles, I mean, you know, gravity, I think we'd all say we share the implications of, right? So there's none of us immune to gravity. I, I, let's assume we're not in a spaceship and off the planet, right? But, <laughs> um, you know, it, it's something that all of us have the effect of, are at the effect of, And actually, whether we know about gravity or not intellectually, we're still subject to its implications.
0: Yeah, understood.
1: Right. So, however, learning about gravity at school, you know, whereas it didn't make us stop floating to school. Right. um, And stop dropping things out of our hands. But we did go, oh, that's why that happens. And actually learning about gravity helped man know how to fly. Helped mankind learn how to fly because they understand the principles. So, I, I'm pointing to these principles that are upstream to, to who we are as self and are pointing to how, the, how any human being creates its experience, right? How we thought consciousness um, combine to create our experience in any moment. And that experience that we create, are, are what's in our mind's eye and our felt sense of the world, includes our sense of self
0: yeah okay i'm with you
1: right so our sense of self is not something that sits upstream with 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 what i would call consciousness and thought it it, that's not where it sits right our sense of self and our identity is our egoic self our personal thinking is a creation of that right So, so so the line has moved up or down or back, whatever spatial metaphor you want to use, right? To, to the leverage point that I work with someone at.
0: Wow. Yeah. Sorry, carry on. No, no, was just interested because there's almost, um, to some extent, you know, whether someone's religious or not, there seems to be an almost spiritual element. Sort of, I'm, not, I'm not saying that you're preaching that per se, but there seems to be this more instinctive sort of, Angle to this that you're you're referring to? Yeah, it is,
1: it is, it is, it is, um, it is spiritual. Um, and I don't always say that up front because some people turn it off, right? And I, I work with businesses, so it, 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 they, yeah. they tend to be on the lookout for <laughs> spiritual gurus to come and talk to them, right? Um, but whether we like it or not. <laughs> It seems to me now that we are spiritual beings having a human experience. So to ignore that side of us, and um, we need to define what we mean by spiritual, uh-huh. really is missing the biggest leverage point we, that, we, you know, that we've got. So I, when I first got into this sort of uh, the world of personal development and change, you know, 18, 19 years ago, I looked at the spiritual side of things, right? Because something appealed to me in it. But I just couldn't see how it was useful. I couldn't reconcile it with the business person that I was. And, you know, I thought, well, that's nice. But how does it help me day to day? I couldn't see it, right? It's too fluffy and woo-woo, right? (laughs) So so I went back into kind of the psychological side of it and doing all those tools and techniques and positive psychology. And that's where I focus my energies, right? Because spiritual is too woo-woo. Yeah and wasn't fit for the rat race that we needed to be good at right now what happened to me sort of you know uh, wherever it was you know eight nine years ago was I, I I woke up to oh no 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 now I get how that bit fits in so I, the, what I do with my clients now is I almost help them understand um, how the spiritual nature of us interfaces with our psychology and turns up day to day.
0: That's really interesting. Do you mind me asking, Piers, you don't have to answer the question, what was that pivot point for you a few years ago? Was there something that happened? Was it a life experience? Was it a work experience? If you're able to, to share yeah.
1: that. Um, I mean, yeah, I'd I share anything I had, but um, no, I didn't have, some people have what you would call, uh, I call a whoosh experience where, Boop, 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 road to Damascus experience you know yeah. where they have a big kind of oh wow and and, and and you know the clouds move kind of thing
0: <laughs> and, that's, my bit, that's my bit 12 months ago with a fear to be honest right yes. yeah okay
1: yeah and that's what I'd call a realization of a ground nature right and and it comes through and it's like bang right now what I've sort of had and probably most people I work with have is more a Random sequence of what I call drip, drip, drip insights and realizations about this. Now, some of them, when I look back, have been quite shatteringly different. What you know, when I see what they've made me see, but in the moment they didn't kind of floor me. But when I look back, I go, "Oh my god, I see things differently now." So it's sort of crept up on me, okay. right? In, a, in a, what I call drip, 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 rather than a big whoosh. But there are people who I work with who will have a big kind of wowzers you know, and it kind of is is what I call the whoosh versus the drip drip, Um, but, and often they can look like they were triggered by an event or a circumstance, right? So some people will describe "Well, I had this life defining moment when, you know, um, some of them were close to them passed away or they were, they were ill or whatever. I didn't really have that. not really i mean i had a few things going on in my life my my brother passed away and stuff but i I wouldn't really say i had a kind of of finger clicking moment um and, and i quite like that because otherwise people think it's not ordinary what we're talking about
0: interesting yeah
1: and what we're talking about is so ordinary i mean it's magically special but it's incredibly ordinary and what I mean by ordinary is every single one of us has this capacity and gift to, to see this, right? And actually, already has. But you were probably about one years old, so you don't remember, right? So <laughs> so, so, you've already got this inside. And what, what I do is, in my job is just point you back to see that.
0: That's, that's really powerful. So how do you? Cause I'm really intrigued by this, and I actually really like the con- I really like the concept. How do you then actually get over that mental block of so many people, particularly in you know big corporate life today? Of yeah, is this soft? Is it woo woo? Is it fluffy? You know, what do you do as peers to try and hook into those those people, those leaders, those those individuals that naturally? In the world have been brought up in the sort of <laughs> you know the, the, the sort of cogs the machine mentality that's happened the last hundred years how do you switch people into actually being that free in that in, the, in that thinking piers
1: well i think i think there's two bits to that um that just occurred to me as we are speaking now gary and, and and one is a external thing in that i i i kind of have a, a sense to point people to connect the tangible results of something to something invisible, which I didn't use. To, so, I, I ha, I, I'm doing a lot of dot joining. Right. Okay. Can you see that? That's coming from there. You know, the, 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 a bit you didn't see, because you were, they were attributing it to came from somewhere else, okay. right? So, let me give you an example. Um, let's say I'm working with a, with a leadership team, and um, they're trying to come up with a new strategy to do something, or solve a problem, or whatever, right? Um, and they will say, well, sometimes, you know, we just go around in circles on this and there's a bit of blame going on and we're all pointing at each other and so and so doesn't really want to have an open mind and I'm trying to influence them, it's not going anywhere, blah, 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 right? Or, you know, all the markets too tough for us to do this, there's too much ambiguity going on, right? And then you go, oh, okay, right. So that looks like all those external factors and you just list them up. Now, What I then point them to see is after they understood how their mind works is how that can look so different, right? And they can start to have insights around what they weren't seeing before and how then they can create something individually or in the room collectively, which just redefines what they were thinking of, right? And they see something fresh. And it comes from understanding, it comes from synthesis, it comes from not having the invisible lids, by truly listening, by not buying into all the, the uncertainty and the fear of that, they just get to a new space, right? And bang, 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 and then they've got resourcefulness. Now, what I then do is go, hang on a minute, rather than just going, wasn't that a lovely uh, workshop we had and I'm glad we got to that space, right? I'm going, do you realize there's something very predictable to rely on that can help you get there? That wasn't fluke. Okay. Right. I, I then join the dots to say, well, your mind is capable of doing that. All your minds are capable of doing that if you know how to use them. So going back to gravity and flight, let's say someone did in the old days make a make a plane and it kind of worked. Right. They ran down the hill, flapped their wings and they were going, way, right. I would go. Well, hang on. Have you, are you understanding how lift and drag work? Because if you understand that, not intellectually, you'll know how to make a plane every time. And that wasn't luck, right? So so I'm, do, I'm doing two things. So the one thing I'm doing is pointing them to see how what they thought was just sort of slightly random or to do with a load of external factors is actually to do with their mind. And I'm rejoining the dots so they know what variable to focus on, which is that their mind is the variable rather than all the other sort of superstitious things they were pointing to, right? Um, and then the second thing is, I think, or well, the first thing, there's no order in these, is that... I now seem to have from my grounding just a complete certainty that there's something to look at in this area that people don't look at. And I'm just annoyingly pedantic and semantic and pointing at, no, you're looking in the wrong, you know, so I'm just pointing upstream right all the time because I see the value in getting, uh, of having an inquiry and a curiosity and awareness to something to this stuff. And I think, I think it's partly because of my own certainty in that that people go, well, he seems to be really convinced that's a good idea, so they go with it, right? <laughs> so, whereas in the past, I may have just given up. But I I, I don't go anywhere else with them. I, I don't... So I'll give you another metaphor for this. So when I was first getting into this a few years ago... Um, when they weren't quite seeing the invisible nature of this, I would chuck some of my old stuff in. Okay. Right? A tool or a technique or a bit of downstream. And that's like when someone's learning to swim, chucking in a piece of a floaty or something, right? And they grab onto that. And, and now I don't really do that, not because I'm trying to be difficult or annoying. It's just because I, 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 I want them to see what's really going on
0: that's really fast so what what's got in the way would you say so the people that come to you are clearly to some extent i'm trying to sort of guess now are people coming to you because they've been aware of what peers can help them see that they don't today is it word of mouth that people come to you you know i'm just really intrigued because it's quite a big departure for someone to go from like you say from where i am with a sort of traditional self-awareness system to what you're talking about and i really like what you're talking about but I'm wondering, you know, what sort of barriers or challenges do you have to deal with to get people to really sort of look at what you're trying to show them?
1: Well, I, I guess they might come from various places, but, but they might either have tried everything else and just like, well, whatever, this guy seems to be so different, so I try that. But, but I, think, I think, you know, hopefully people are coming from, um, you know, the recommendation and, and like, you know, well, this is different, you should check it out. But the other thing I I hopefully can do um, is if people are a little bit curious, right? They're going, oh, I try and give them a little experience of it, right? So at the moment, we're talking quite conceptually. In a a minute, maybe we'll we'll do this. But it is so they can go, oh, okay. I sort of know what you're on about because I've... So rather than try and sell this as a concept, you know, there's something different out there. It's about the mind. It's about being more spiritual, blah, blah, blah. Um, People need a little tiny resonance or a taste with this, right? Okay. And, and when they do, they're like, oh, okay, I sort of see that. I, and, and, and now I'm curious to know more.
0: Okay. So is there, any, is, is there anything sort of a, a, another sort of simple example you could give us or maybe, because you can imagine there's, there could be people listening to this chat that we're having peers sort of thinking, great, well, what's the ROI on that? Or the classic fear-based sort of challenges around, a new idea or way of being for example is there, is there some sort of examples of some, where someone was at x and they're now performing at y or they learned, or they learned more about themselves such as they've now moved to a different level of sort of performance or is there something without trying to put your results in a box is there some examples maybe you can share around sort of where someone yeah. was and where they now are sort of following the process
1: yeah. i mean i mean absolutely i mean There's plenty actually. I mean, I think, you know, I I work with individuals and I work with teams and I think, you know, the things I would hear from individuals are their Ability to so at a very practical level that they can sort of get twice as much done in half as much time because their minds the bandwidth they fill in their minds the space they fill in their minds um, gets them to clarity and action quicker. So they're not second-guessing themselves, they're not procrastinating, they're not over-worrying, they're able to synthesize, they're more present. Um, so what I mean by present is, is, that, is that when they're with someone else, they can just listen and just hear the nub, right? And then, you know, if you can hear the nub, you can hear behind the words and then you can, you can move forward with that person. So at, at a personal productivity level, they would find that. Um, they would find, um, and this is quite a big one, that they, they would find that their stress has gone down, um, and their resilience has gone up. So that they they get less overwhelmed. I mean, most people are overloaded just because they have too much to do, but the overwhelm goes. Um, they they find. Uh, so I so I had a client the other day I, yesterday, and he was saying, well, what used to take you say your forty-five minutes takes me five minutes. And then he went, what can I do now, right? It's well, it's 40 minutes, right? No, so, so then, then we talk about clarity of, well, what do you want to do, right? Where do you want to focus? And people can get a more obviousness of where they want to be and what they want to do. So they tend to drop doing some of the things that make less sense to them, okay. um, which is useful. So they become more purposeful and probably more um, fulfilled because they're not doing some of the things they thought they had to. Right. Um, So, so I think the other thing is other in case it sounds too kind of rosy um, is this is not about positive psychology, which is making everything feel good. Right. A a lot of what will happen is that people can adjust more. Okay. with not feeling good. Right. And you start to realise that whereas before you would have thought that your state of mind is a really important variable to your performance, actually you realise well sometimes I'm going to feel great and sometimes I'm not, but that doesn't seem to get anywhere anymore.
0: That's that's really powerful because um you know I think I've mentioned to you in the past that I had my own mental health challenge a couple of years ago. Have you found that what you're what you're sort of sharing is. It sounds to me that that resilience piece, certainly around the mental health potential resilience, it sounds like that could be quite a big win for some people. Oh,
1: huge, huge. Because I don't really buy into mental illness. Mm. And and I don't mean to be disrespectful to anyone who's suffering from what they would call mental illness. I just don't see it. Okay. Right? I, I do see it. I can understand it. But I don't buy into it as something that gets innocently, gets all the stigma and the attachment to meaning that people have, right? So I just see that as what the mind does sometimes when we layer up thought and we don't understand the true nature, right? So people who are in, let's take uh, addictive behavior, right? So whether that's drugs or gambling or eating or blah, 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 right? People will get, you know, that's a problem, they've got to manage it. That's what society would say, that's a problem, you've got to manage it, right? And they come up with coping strategies and all that kind of stuff. Which, you know, great that you're trying to tackle it, but that's based on a a misunderstanding, right? That's based on a misunderstanding of the mind because all of those behaviors are the mind trying to cope with something, right? Doing the best thing it can to get back to a resourceful state. Now, when we feed that with more narrative and meaning and coping, we, we're pointing it away from something that we all have, which is that capacity and inbuilt sense of um, calm and okayness and clarity and resilience and resourcefulness, which, which we all, inside us, is our true nature right that, that's our spiritual home we all have that even if people only experience it for one microsecond a day even 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 a heroin addict right for, for for one second a day will have that sense of peace now they spend all their other attention on the other time right but that that's within us all And that's what we're trying to get to, whether we're using drugs to get there, gambling to get there, addictive behavior to get there, mindfulness to get there, meditation to get there, running to get there, knitting to get there, green tea to get there. What, we're trying to get there. Now babies don't try to get there, they just hang out there.
0: I love that. No, I'm totally with you. I'm totally with you. That's really powerful, because That's, that's really... So, so what's stopping... Okay, what's layered up? Has it just been society? Has it just been generations of getting busy that's sort of taken us away from that space? You know, we've just not been taught how to... Has it been the education system sort of... We've been taught as we go into sort of adult life that that's not how we can be anymore. Is there any sort of nuggets that you're sort of... that you can see that you think have sort of led us away from that place?
1: Well. All of those things you just said I would agree with um, all of those things sort of let's call them external things I would agree with our education system but that the, the <laughs> there's a more fundamental thing which is at one level the mind is meant to not see that as well right so so the way I would describe it is the mind works as a projector not as a camera yeah okay. right so so anything we experience, anything you experience in your in, in what you feel in your mind's eye comes in the creation of our mind, right? It goes from in to out, if you want to call it that. Right. I don't mean brain here, I mean mind. Is a bit the brain's just a an organ, right? Mm-hmm. It, it it comes through us and we project that onto the world as if the world has done it to us. Right? Understood. Yeah. So we we live life as if the world has a causal power,
0: Yeah.
1: right? Now that's a very compelling illusion. And at one level we're meant to be in that illusion to one degree because it makes life richer. Yeah. So it, it, we, we, we are, there's part of the system which is designed not to catch this, right? because otherwise we'd constantly be going, well, I'm just creating my experiences. There's no richness in it because you'd know it was a kind of a, uh, you know, so but being enlightened all the time would be a bit dull, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> because you wouldn't get the richness of human experience. I mean, no. we're we're sentient beings designed to experience stuff. That, that's the point of being on this planet from what I can see, you know, from my tiny little mind. But so so we have an ebb and flow of this, Spiritual energy coming into our mind that creates a psychological experience. Right, it comes in and out, and the game isn't to try and stop that ebb and flow or to manage it. It's just to recognise how it works, and when you recognise how it works, you realise it's quite often telling you to back off the psychological layering and 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 restore back to the equilibrium, which is just the oneness in that space within us. Right, but we missing understanding the intelligence of the system's messaging system which is feeling so 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 feeling and, and and sensation in the body is actually always telling us where we're at but it's telling us where our minds are at and we've been taught this is where the education's gone wrong but it's telling us what the outside world's up to
0: yeah okay
1: right? so it's you get anxious about something, right, so let's say you're feeling anxious about, what. let's say, a common fear. A common fear might be speaking in front of 100 people at a conference, right? A lot of people go, oh, my word, and they, they feel a palpitation in the chest. They feel a bit tight. They have an internal dialogue. I mean, you might to relate to this, Gary. I don't know. I okay. do. Um, yeah,
0: not so long ago. Yeah, I'm with you on this. Right.
1: So they have <laughs> that fear, and people go, oh, poor you. You know, right? The fear of the speaking in public is, is creating that for you, and we would be taught that if that's a big feeling, then it's, it's pretty substantial. And yeah, you, you might wanna kind of recognize that as something true, right? What I would say is, okay, well, that, those feelings in the body about that public speaking, right, are just feedback to you telling you your mind is in a narrow aperture right now, and it's creating a lot of conditioned thinking about what that speaking could be. So the information in the feeling isn't saying, "Hey, buy into your reality right now." It's saying, "Back off your reality right now."
0: That's, that's really quite significant. Because yeah. I remember I did have a I did have a public speaking gig about well back in October last uh, last year actually. It was only about I think it was about eighty or ninety people, and I remember the excruciating pain of sitting at the front of the room, literally crossing my legs. <laughs> And um, it, it's really interesting you talk about that because it, it was a physical feeling. It was yeah. totally a physically a physical feeling, massively. But yeah, I'm, I'm trying to sort of process what you've just described, though. So, so in that example I just had was that that. So the feeling was was true, but the sort of emotional side of it was the feeling sort of driving that emotion to some extent. Then,
1: well, feeling and emotion to me are the same thing. I okay. mean, I mean no, they're just different names, right? So, so, so we are. We are creatures that feel right, yeah. we are what I call sentient, yeah. Right? And some of that is what we call emotion, whatever. But we're visceral, it's palpable, you know. Our, you, you can tell a human being's alive, you can tell the difference between a alive one and a dead one, yeah. right? So, so, so we're animated, right? We are, we are felt. And in, in that example, you're telling about, you were talking about, right? You had a load of let's you know, the system felt tight, the system felt not in its ease and its self-expression and its obviousness and its clarity, right? Um, and you weren't in flow, right? You're probably in your head, you're... Right? That's just giving you some information that your mind in that moment is, is in a very kind of myopic, narrow state. And it's, and it's probably seeing its experience from what I would call the hard drive from, from our conditioned thinking and buying into it and layering it up right? Now that's just thought, right? That's nothing wrong with thought, thought feeling. It's natural. It's normal. It comes in and out, right? But it comes in and out in flow, right? Now when we really buy into reality, we kind of constrict that. It appears we constrict that flow, right? So we get really stuck in it. Now little kiddies are beautiful examples of flow. They can't stay stuck in one, one emotional feeling state for very long at all.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: They go in and out all the time.
0: This this, this is really big for me, and I'll tell you for why. That same talk I'm referencing, Piers, like this initial bit was horrible, but in the talk, it was a 20-minute talk, and I was in complete and utter flow to the point I can't remember half of what I said. So I went from that completely completely entwined, sort of clumped-up state So literally, it's a a topic I was so passionate about around education and trying to improve education. This sort of, literally, I barely remember a word I spoke for that 20 minutes. Right. Which is really, so I'm really trying to process what you're describing now. So I literally went from the one extreme to the other almost to some extent around what you're describing in that same talk.
1: Brilliant example. Brilliant example of how how the mind through thought ebbs and flows and goes from one to the other very quickly, right? It can be. Yeah. And, and when you're in it, you're in it either side, yeah? Now, once we... Have, so that's going to happen, right? So we're not trying to stop that happening necessarily, right? Going, oh, let's stop the negative one and have more of the positive one. Of course, you know, in, in some situations we prefer that. But we're just noticing... But there's something about people having a realization of how the mind works that allows that flow to happen more. Right. And that comes through understanding and realizing, not through manipulation, strategizing tool and technique, all that kind of stuff, which is what I used to do. Right. So in the old days, if you'd come to me 10 years ago, I would have given you a whole host of NLP techniques, anchoring, maybe some hypno to get you in a powerful state for that talk. Right. I would have given, I would equip you psychologically with all the, all the armory I had to help you. And if you'd used enough willpower and psychological nouse, you may have got there, right? Now I just say to you, hey, you're going to feel something during that. Just notice what it is. It's transient and it will move. It doesn't matter. I would say a bit more than that, but that's, that's, <laughs> <'cause> that's, that's <laughs> completely helpful. But, but I would point you back, back to the principles that we would have discussed and you would have realized before and say, hey, sit, notice it, right? I wouldn't be trying to bung up your mind with managing something that is actually at one level unmanageable, you know, because the power of, of, of what creates our experience and thought is more powerful than our conceptual mind, right? Mm. So, so well, what I mean is, there's not a single human being I know who is so blimmin' good at NLP or whatever, or, or mind strategies, or quieting the chimp, that they can do it consistently all the time no one reason being is it doesn't work like that <laughs> that's why it was pretty obvious right so instead of trying to manage the system with an incorrect understanding of it understand how it works. i mean and that you know so i suppose that the metaphor would be you know in the old days when someone had made some wings out of feathers and they and they and they were flapping up and down and the other person said well just do it faster Right, you'll take off soon. And, oh, I'm not going to just do it more, it, it, you know. So, understand the principles of how the system works, then see it.
0: I tell you what, at this juncture, I can't believe we've been speaking for 35 minutes. I'm loving this chat, yeah. it's, it's incredible. Can you at this juncture, I think, because you've, you've shared a lot at the moment, I think some people. I'm sure a lot will stay on it's a great chat. But at this stage, you want to share a little bit about where people can reach you? Maybe sort of social media, name of the company, website, you know, what sort of courses are you running? Is there any open courses, closed courses? Just give a couple of minutes around yeah. you and how people can access you just at this juncture and then we'll carry on.
1: And we might need a part two, Gary. I'm thinking,
0: yeah, I would love it because to be honest, there's so much in this, and I think,
1: yeah, it it is. And I get caught up talking without thinking of of the consequences. So, um, yes, I mean, I I have a, um, a website called Making Change Work, um, and if you go on there, there's something called Quality of Mind, which is how I package this to talk to organizations, and on there, there's a few more things about quality of mind um, that you can look at um, and little presentations and things. Also, I post a lot on LinkedIn. Okay. So I, I, there's probably 30, 40 articles, 40, 50 posts on, 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 um, on LinkedIn about it. Um, right. But the other thing I would say, I'm very happy to have a conversation, I've, I've a phone call, a few emails with people if, if they're genuinely interested in this because um, it's, it's obviously you can tell it's something I'm very passionate about um and but but the as you can probably tell from my ramblings for the last 35 minutes it's something that is best experienced and realized and
0: mm-hmm.
1: the way i do that i found the best format to do that and um, although the odd person can have the whoosh to, to help the drip drip is you know i i do an open program um uh which is a is a sort of a A small group of business people, we get together and and we explore this. And um, very lucky to say, I get wonderful feedback from that, which you can read about on the website as well. So um, that's that's another thing. We've got one coming up in July. um, You know, and and it can be a complete game changer.
0: Fantastic. Well, just out of interest, what dates are you? I think you mentioned earlier in the chat that it's a three-day. Is that three consecutive it days, peers?
1: Or uh, it, it's three consecutive days because and there's a real value in the three days because the mind slows down over the three days to kind of hear the simplicity of this. Um, because otherwise, you just get it intellectually and it's kind of like, uh, so what? Um, so it's the second to the fourth of July, um, and. Um, yeah, if you want to know more about that, it's probably best to have a chat um, or I can put them in contact with people who have been to it um, so you get it from the horse's mouth sort of thing.
0: Oh, that's absolutely awesome. Like I say, I, I don't want to cut you short at all. You know, I'm happy we carry on talking, Piers, to be honest, but I'm just cu- just wanting to make sure there's a little bit of a, a sort of break for people that may want to sort of dip in and maybe come back in because, yeah, it's, it's, it's really challenging me because in, in my head, i have sort of think about this self-awareness, I said, vulnerability. Those are real things for me because I know for sure that I've learned a lot Let's say those as concepts have helped me move from my more fear-based state to a more of a freedom-based state, and I do believe that those anchors have helped me. But they will be really interested. And I'm really interested actually to attend the to attend the three days because I'm really interested. You know, why is that? What what does that really mean? If I was able yeah. to access that that true more spiritual back to my childhood self, how would I see those anchors of vulnerability, self-awareness? Would they would I still view in the same way? You know
1: what I mean? I I think. Yeah, I I do. I do know what you mean, and I think it's a really interesting inquiry because, and I think there's a lot of things now that I kind of see as what I would call observably accurate. Okay. You know that if people have self-awareness and they're more vulnerable, they might be in a better quality of mind. I, I kind of see the correlation. Okay. But it's not the cause so almost vulnerability is a symptom of having this understanding we're talking about and vulnerability you know when people will say well if you need trust you need vulnerability you know but i think well there's something actually upstream to both of those that creates those and those two are symptoms They're lovely symptoms right and and, and they're great things to pay attention to um and they can be massively helpful and that's genuine for people. So, you know, you, you're, you're Gary, you're not pretending that this has been useful for you, the vulnerability piece, right? It's been, it's been, you know, you're speaking from what you see. So really what this understanding will do, and it's a little bit to what you said, is you'll be able to, I guess, join the pieces and go, oh, I sort of see that now a bit more. So the way I sort of describe how I look at my old work in the light of my new work is I realise what I was up to I realise how it could be useful, but also I realise how I don't really need it anymore because what I was doing was kind of um, accidentally using parts of what I'm talking about now but not quite understanding it, right? Um, so I think you probably would get a different perspective. Um, but that's not to take away from anything that um, anything that anyone finds useful, I might like, use it, right? But I'm saying, also get curious about what the invisible part of that that you can't see that was driving it.
0: So to some extent, would it be fair to say, and again, I'm just trying to get, get to my full gra- grapple on this because I find it so fascinating, yeah. is to some extent then self, self-awareness and vulnerability as concepts are almost tools of having a better state of mind? Is that to some extent what you're saying?
1: Well, they, they are, I wouldn't call them tools. I would call that's them... Bad words of. again. Yeah, no, no, that's okay. I would say they're results of...
0: Okay,
1: okay. So, so, so what, what it's, it's so funny, right? So when I work with clients, right, we'll, we'll talk about stuff quite upstream. We'll talk about some principles of the mind. And we won't really get into any particular content about anyone's particular behaviors or their attributes. And, and they'll often say, oh, I ha-, you know, so they'll go away for lunch break and reflect. And they'll come out and say, oh, I've had, I've had a little insight while I was away. And they'll come out with something about their own self-awareness of, uh, how sometimes they are maybe a little bit too judgmental of their children or some, whatever it is right now we haven't talked at all about parenting children being judgmental or anything like that we've been talking upstream about these principles but what happens is that the trickle-down effect of that is you start to you, you prime the system the learned system, the, the, the learnt self, which we have, right? So we've got the spiritual side, we've got this conditioned self. We, we're, we're both. We're a para, we're a paralogical paradox of spiritual and human at the same time, right? So almost by reactivating, not that it ever deactivated, the, the spiritual understanding part of us, it, it sort of intelligently informs the conditioned self to realize and drop thinking and a drop, And drop and dissolve egoic conditioning it had. And people will have these insights like, oh, I've just realized I can be really judgmental around my kids. Huh. (laughs) Kind of a curse of them as it drops. Okay. Right? Now, because that happens, traditional psychologists thought, ah, that's what we need. We need more people to have dropping of their thinking around their, their judgmentalness. And they've kind of tried to reverse engineering. Okay. Right, they tried to reverse engineer something, right? Traditional therapy and and, and psych- psychology, um, rather than see what was upstream to it.
0: So, so, so do you, is something, if I may ask, sort of bulk? So, do you see so something like the positive psychology movement, or sean Aker, these sort of guys? Do you, do you see something in what they are doing as a sort of a method, as a as a, as a topic area, or do you think it's just or not per se, is it just sort of one of a number of things that have just been reverse engineered over the years?
1: Yeah, I mean, I used to be one. I used to be a massive, you know, uh, positive psychology kind of advocate. And, um, and it, it, it appeals to people because it, it creates a very tangible result. It often requires a do. People love a do because you can control a do, Right. Um, and, it, and it's kind of shiny, happy, positive, mm-hmm. right? I actually think it's quite unhelpful. Okay. As a, I, you know, in moments it can be very useful for someone, but it's pointing the wrong direction. So it's perpetuating the idea that you need to do something to manage your state and psychology. Okay. It's also perpetuating the myth that not feeling positive isn't as good as feeling positive.
0: Yes. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Made up, right. Um, and it, it, cause you know, and, and a lot of people are using it, not always, but they're using it to manage the outside world as if the outside world had causal power, events and circumstances. So because, because life can get you and you need to have the right life, you need to have the right thoughts to cope with the, with life.
0: Okay. No, that's,
1: that's backwards. Right. So it perpetuates the outside in myth and, and people become what I would call empowered outside inners where they're like, really, I'm not a victim. I manage my life. I'm this, I'm that. I'm, I'm positive. Well, that's hard work. That's rowing, not
0: sailing. <laughs> I'm a rower. My God, am I a rower? Yeah.
1: <laughs> and, and the problem with rowing, I mean, we can use it. You know, we have rowing or, or, or sailing available. Rowing's hard work and we tend to overburden the system a little bit you know so there's an i used to be a rower right you know um but i, did, I don't see the value in it anymore I, occasionally we can flick into that you know we feel the wind's not quick enough but ultimately the, the sailing is going to be better
0: such a nice analogy that is such a nice now i'm so i'm genuinely totally with you on this this concept. i don't mean to be concept strong i'm not trying yeah. to get you what you're doing as a badge but in terms of, for me to digest and sort of take it on board. I love that analogy sums it up beautifully for me. I'm totally with you. So yeah. Rowan, that's nice. Really, really nice. So you said the second to the fourth of July is the, yes. the next open course. And yes. I do you have any spaces left?
1: I, I have got a few spaces. I mean, we do, we do limit it because um, we try to make it quite uh, interactive and intimate in that there's not lots of people. So you're not like in a big audience. You, you know, probably have 10 to twelve people where you can really ask questions. You get one-to-one coaching during it as well. So as well as the group stuff it gets in one-to-one um which really accelerates it so it's it's a um it's an immersive experience and um uh, uh, and so it's quite hand handmade if you, mean, if yep. you know what I mean it's not like you're just one of 40 people who are going to blabber at um <laughs>
0: <laughs> there'll be a hell of a state of mind after that
1: <laughs> yeah so it's you know and and for, for many people it really does open their eyes to something so um it's uh, but i would not take my word for it <laughs> read the other people's feedback it might be more uh, more neutral than, than my bias
0: well it's it's really interesting actually i think maybe one of the, th- the things i'd like to touch on if i may with you before before mm. we sort of maybe wrap up is that word you just mentioned bias how how mm. does that how does that support how does this this improved state of mind improve potentially and i'm just sort of second guessing the sort of bias as a concept, with the, you know, some people become more enlightened, more again, I don't want to use the aware, I don't want to use the wrong words, but ultimately, those people that get a better state of mind, does that impact positively the level of bias that people have? Yeah,
1: yeah, I think you, I think what happens is um, you spot it more.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Right. So I have this phrase I, I talk about called invisible lids. Right. So so invisible lid is my, my sort of made up. Phrases that that when we can't see that something is made of our own creation right so so everything is made of our own mind thought consciousness combination right so but we can't see it as that so a, a good example of that which is a little bit different to bars but i'll come to bars now is you know there's been going around on the internet a while ago there was that dress that could be blue or gold yeah yeah and now there's the and your uh, what's it called um the audio one, I don't know if you've seen that, where you either hear something as Laurel or Yanni.
0: Oh, and I see some stuff going on on Twitter about that, right,
1: okay. Yeah. So they're the same. So basically, some people see it as a gold dress, some people see it as a blue dress, some people hear one, one, one name, one person, the other, right? And, and people go, well, no, it is that, right? No, 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 it is. What do you mean it's a blue dress? No, it's a gold dress. <laughs> okay. You've got a different photo, right? And then, you know, when people go, you're standing next to someone who sees it differently, and you go, are you sure it's blue, right? You know, uh, yes. So that's what I call invisible lid, right, is that you can't see how your thought has made it up. Now, when you can, right, you you go, oh. So what what I show people is you're not going to stop being able to have invisible lids. You're not going to stop having them. You're going to create them all the time because you have a conditioned mind, and it will do that but just spot that you can. And, and the knowing that you're capable of doing that keeps an openness in you. So it's the same with bias, right? If I know that the human mind, particularly when I'm in a low quality of mind, has a tendency to bias, that gives me the edge because I can kind of know, I can, so my feelings are always feeding back to me as to my quality of mind I'm in. So if I'm feeling a bit icky about something, I'm probably also in bias. Right. So I'm not really going to act too seriously on my creation of that moment of reality because I kind of know it's probably biased. Right. Now, sometimes that doesn't matter. Right. But sometimes it might. So if I'm getting angry with someone and I'm feeling angry and annoyed and frustrated with them, that's the feedback of my system saying, "Hmm, so I'm probably seeing quite a myopic view of that person. So I know my bias is kicking in. So therefore, if I know that, although I can't even stop it, I can know not to take it too seriously.
0: But I guess also powerfully, by actually that improved state of mind, you can actually do something about them if there may be more potentially destructive biases that you have. Yeah. So actually, by actually that, that knowledge that you then have through that improved state of mind can actually help you do something about it. Well,
1: this comes back to the other part, which we were saying earlier, is that... you. You find your egoic mind, your conditioned mind starts to dissolve quicker. So, loads of biases that I used to have, I don't have anymore. Okay. I've still got some, right? But I know for a fact that loads I used to have, I don't have. Okay. Right? So, I can tell that in my political views, in my views on society, uh, all sorts of things. I, I just don't have that in there anymore. So I have less. I still have some and I'm probably creating new ones, you know, as well. But but my tendency to create them and hold them as relevant or true is dropped.
0: That's really interesting. I'm doing quite a lot. Um, Be interesting for you potentially to connect with. I don't know if you know Jo Candola or not. So she's she's got a PhD in gender bias. She's doing an awful lot of work around bias in the workplace. And I think it could be interesting to connect you two guys just from a, a sort of standpoint point of view, just to see sort of see yeah. if there's some sort of knowledge sharing to be done there because i think there's yeah. really interesting really
1: interesting. Yeah, and, and i'm always you know I, I love talking to other people about this stuff um you know and seeing how it fits or doesn't fit i mean i think you know that there's a there's a body of people i work with who uh retail week that they're, they're called being inspired they're trying to stop um the glass ceiling and retail for women right um and and you know there's a lot of invisible what i call invisible bias there's some we're aware of there's a lot of visible bias now you can't manage yourself out of that because you don't know you've got it, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> right? Someone might point it out to you, but unless you realize that, that's just annoying to have it pointed out to you, right? So yeah. this comes back to the, I mentioned this earlier about realization, that the real key to human evolution and change, and any change actually, minor or massive, has to come by realization for people. Which I call behind the eye change. If people don't have a realizing body shifting of their mind's eye, you're kind of playing at the edges. So a lot of the work I do happens to be about the innate capacity we all have to have realization. Now, what you've been experiencing in in the last few years and months, as you've been on your sort of journey is realizations. Yeah right? Behind the eye shift where something's dropped and you see something new. Now, the more we understand about the functioning of the mind and, the, and, and our nature around realizations, the more likely we are to have realization.
0: Look, that's really interesting. I, I can actually back that up because I think I, I could say until the age of 40, I didn't really feel I had anything major in terms of realizations. And I've had probably four or five in the last 12 months. So that totally rings true for me, to be honest
1: yeah i mean you're always going to be having them because the system can't stop but you were kind of putting the handbrake on them accidentally
0: yeah and maybe that conscious mind part or whatever barriers were well, the fears the fears were putting up the walls
1: well the conceptual mind like ha, you know can get a little bit strong or can appear to you know and that will stop realization so yeah it's um it, it's at one level incredibly fundamentally simple um but it's not always easy <laughs>
0: it's a fascinating topic and i say i've got to say you know i'm totally i'm totally with you on it i do understand it i think the first like so the first sort of 10-15 minutes really is getting into the nub and trying to really again not trying to use the word conceptualize but just sort of accept what you're saying to some extent it's almost an acceptance that actually there is this other this other way yeah which is which is really powerful Right, I need to try and get in your course, Piers. I think you've sold it to me tonight, if nothing else. So,
1: <laughs> well, that's great, guy. Love to have a chat. And as I say, you know, if you want to do a part two, or if people want to contact me, because um, yeah, I realise I've jammed a lot in rapidly. Um, but if anything resonated, um, you know, reach out to me. LinkedIn, Google me, Piers Thurston, whatever. Happy to help if I can.
0: No, that's brilliant. And I think it, just as we sort of wrap up, is there a couple of sort of key? resources or sort of ideas that you're coming across that really sort of inspire you right now is there some sort of reading or sort of particular I don't want to use thought leaders because again it sort of puts people on a pedestal but are there things that are impact what's impact what's impacting you the most right now yeah I mean I
1: think you know I I I love hanging out in this understanding and 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 learning about it because it's infinite you know what, what else you can see but the so there's, and, and now, you know, when I first got into it, there's very few things written about it, very few things, but um, there's more and more now. And one person I would say I would recommend anyone checks out because he, he, he's so elegant in how he describes this. And I've just been in some conferences with him now, actually. He's a guy called Michael Neal, who I learned a lot of this from. And he's written three beautiful books, um, one called Inside Out Revolution, um, one called The Space Within, and one called Creating the Impossible. Um, and and they are three books that are um, make this understanding accessible. Now, bear in mind, that you're still going to only see what you see in your own words in that. But um, uh, you know that they are they are great. There's another book for which is a more business book, which you know some people like is called Invisible Power by two other guys I know very well, um, Ken Manning and Robin Sharbit, uh, and and Sandy Croft actually. So them. Um, but I, I would say, you know, either anything by Michael Neal, um, Inside Out Evolution, Space Within, Creating the Impossible, um, or Invisible Power as well, depending on, on on what takes your fancy. There are different styles of books. Um, but actually, the more bite-sized version, it, um, Michael also does a podcast called Caffeine for the Soul.
0: Okay. Uh, great,
1: great name, Caffeine for the Soul. Um, and their little five, ten-minute bursts, of this stuff, so for a very practical kind of, you know, I'm um, driving to work or whatever, I, I would check that podcast out.
0: That's brilliant. Well, I'll, I'll add all those things to the show notes. And uh, again, if there's anything else you think piers could be helpful for the listeners, please do uh, drop yeah. me an email. would be great. But I think let's let's definitely pick up. I think there's a, a part two, three, four, and six. Of, uh, set up <laughs> up I think we've only just got started, to be honest. But I do hope other people that are listening um, do reach out to you because I'm, you know, I'm de- definitely keen to come on this uh, this journey with you. Interesting. and
1: uh, let, let's speak again soon, Piers OK, thanks Gary, cheers, take care
0: Appreciate your
1: time, thank you Bye-bye
0: Hello listeners, just Gary Turner again just wrapping up this really awesome podcast with Piers Thurston from Making Change Work Just wanted to share a few of my key takeaways, which have left me a little bit rocked in a really positive way um, this evening. So one of the first things I would say is the way that Piers talks about moving upstream from self-awareness, vulnerability and these other areas that I personally have believed until now, still believe are important. But in terms of the mindset and how we actually try and tap into that more spiritual aspect of ourselves that we've sort of lost since moving into adulthood. And I think that's really quite an interesting challenge and thought process. I also really enjoyed the the quote by Piers, we are spiritual beings having a human experience. Now, I'm not religious at all, to be completely uh, honest, I'm very much agnostic. But I have experienced over the last 12 months this, tapping into a part of self that I haven't quite been able to explain. And maybe that's exactly what Piers is talking about. He does talk about getting twice as much done in half the time, really th- makes me think about the work of Scrum and Jeff Sutherland and something that Perry Timms introduced me to some time ago. So clearly this this way of being is highly productive and allows people to get time back, so it's got to be a good thing. Um, also, I, I like this idea of joining the dots. So Piers is really spending his time helping people be more aware of this upstream Example of self, you know, what are the things that are actually happening and helping them connect the dots between where they were and where they're going, and, and I particularly love this this point around being curious around the invisible part of ourselves. So yeah, it's it's quite quite impactful, quite um quite deep this chat, but in a really sort of fun, open, uh, and interesting way. I think what's going to be challenging is the well, the direct challenge that Piers has offered to the positive psychology movement, something that I. I'm pretty pretty positive about you know, I like the work by Sean Aker. I know there's people in my Twitter network that are very positive around uh, positive psychology. Um, but there's a direct challenge to that within this course. I'm really looking forward to some some ongoing debate and challenge between what Piers' thoughts and work looks like, and also those that fully support the positive psychology movement. Uh, and, fun- and finally, the the work that Piers does is fundamentally simple, but not always easy to quote him. So I think it probably sums up an awful lot of the good stuff that operates within our lives is that ultimately it never is easy. but However, it is it's quite often fundamentally simple. And I think that's a really, really cracking comment to finish this particular podcast on. So please do see the show notes and fantastic um, links to some of the work by Michael Neal, someone that I've only just learned about this evening um, from Piers. Um, and in addition, there's also that, fa- that really interesting Caffeine for the Soul 5-10 uh, to 10 Minute Burst podcast from the same person. And finally, also do have a look out at, for Joe Candola. I've referenced her in the podcast. She's got a, a, a PhD in gender bias and so on. I think that everyone should be reaching out to uh, with regards to her business, the bias, Jim, something that's sorely needed right now in terms of the, uh, the race and culture bias and, um, sorry, gender bias that we see within work and society at large. So please do feedback. I hope this is interesting and uh, look forward to hearing from you. Thank you. Really hoping that you enjoyed that exploration on the Value Through Vulnerability podcast. You can find out much more about HEXO Change at hexochangenow.com. That's H-E-X-O Change Now, one word, dot com. You can subscribe to a weekly newsletter at that website, which includes information about live stream conversations, further service offerings, blogs, but also our in-person events of which we have multiple each year. So I really hope that you'll join us Do connect with me, Gary Turner, on LinkedIn, and I really hope to hear from you soon.